everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff, coming to you from the international uh, wing of the Two Strike Noise uh, broadcast studio. And joining me from the national wing would be my co-host, as usual, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm holding down the fort here, and um, it's a little bit empty, but uh, I have my stuffed dog to keep me company, so I'm good. Uh, let's get right into it. I have got a lot of stuff. Uh, I w- one thing I want to do later in the show here is I want to circle back to what we talked about last week, which was pitchers scuffing the ball, cheating. I got yes. some stories that I was actually reading about, uh, reading a book, and there are some stories that I came up with that had to do exactly with what we talked about last week, including Rick wow. Honeycutt, Whitey Ford, and uh, a couple of others that we mentioned specifically that fit right into our stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of relive our topic from last week as well as I know you've got some things. I've got some audio stuff that I came up with to talk about that I thought was was good, but. Uh, okay. Let's get into our BP first. What do you say? Yeah, I'm up for BP. All right. So first of all, just today, we're recording this on Sunday night, which is a little late for us. Today, I have watched hurling, I have watched curling, and I have watched baseball and sumo. That, that's been my day today. You're a big sumo guy. Yeah, well, the, 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 uh, the May Basho just started. So for the next two weeks, every night, I'm going be, gonna to be watching some sumo. All right, uh, let's get into a couple of things. A lot of historic things happened since we last talked, one of which was Albert Pujols being released. Now, is yeah. this the end of Albert Pujols' career? Is somebody going to sign him? I I really don't know. I, I don't know who would who needs a just a designated hitter that doesn't really produce. But <laughs> our our friend uh, Jim Passan tweeted this when he was uh, when Pujols was released, and I thought this was interesting. 22.8% of all major league players to ever suit up in the big leagues have made their debuts since Albert Pujols first played in the major leagues in April 2nd, 2001. That's amazing. Nearly a quarter of every single major league baseball player that's ever played has played since Albert made his debut. So... The numbers are a little bit off here because a couple of guys made their debuts in the last couple of days. But there are this coming week probably will be number 20,000 that have played in Major League Baseball. 4,555, of course, that number will go up a little bit, have made their debut since Albert did in 2001. So that is huh. a lot of, of guys and a long career for Albert. Obviously a first yeah. ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, no question about it. And I don't know if anybody's going to pick him up either, but I think once he goes past a certain date, they the uh, Angels got to pick up his entire salary anyway. Now, you you witnessed some history this week as well. You worked a another <laughs> no-hitter. Of course, I mean, you, another work, one up. you work for the Mariners. So, like, these things happen <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I, I have been at no-hitters the Mariners have thrown and no-hitters the Mariners have been on the receiving end of. So this was an interesting no-hitter in that it was the first non-perfect game that did not have a hit reaching on an error, a walk, or a hit by pitch. The only runner reached by a strikeout wild pitch. He took off for first. He was safe. He tried to steal second base, and he got caught. 
So the pitcher still faced the minimum, but it was not a perfect game because somebody got on base due to a wild pitch. Well, that sucked. That would have been your second perfect game. It would have been my second in the majors. I had the one, the first one ever in a PCL. I don't know. That would have been cool. Okay, so we got a lot of no-hitters. We got a lot of strikeouts. We've talked about this last week. Also, I saw we've got the largest number of strikeouts so far in a season right now, and we also have the lowest average batting average in the history of the game. Yep. This was my theory. I was thinking about it. Between all these strikeouts, the the launch angle revolution, and the uh, three-true outcome mindset that everybody seems to be in, I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if that allows more no-hitters because it, it just seems like pitchers just throw anything and pitch, you know, batters either strike out or they pop out or they hit a home run. And home runs are not easy to hit. So I'm wondering if, if maybe this is all this is all leading to more of these no-hitters because we've had four now. Is it four this year already plus the uh, Madison Bumgarner special uh, achievement or whatever he, he got for yes. the seven innings? I've noticed uh, uh, a lack of, of hitting as well, not with everybody, obviously, but yeah, when you say that it's the lowest batting average that the major leagues have had, I've noticed that a lot of guys have terrible batting averages. At like 200 is now like, yeah. it's almost average. It is. I, I noticed, I'm, I was watching, you know, the A's race today, and it's like everyone's hitting between 200 and 230, but everybody's got five to seven home runs. It's so true. Like it's across so true. the board. It's ridiculous. And the A's and the Rays are two good teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. The Mariners actually had five batters in their lineup a few days ago that were not hitting 200. Well, you, you texted me that before the no hitter. <laughs> so <laughs> that went nowhere but down, my friend. <laughs> that, was, that was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, so this was interesting because speaking of no hitters today, uh, which is when this show is debuting May 11th. On May 11th, 1904, after 23 innings of no-hit baseball, Cy Young's hitless uh, streak came to an end. So for 23 innings, nobody got a hit off of him over several games. That wow. in, That included six innings that he pitched today, two innings on April 25th, sixth on April 30th, and then included in there was a perfect game against Philadelphia on May 5th. So he went 23 innings without giving up a hit. That was broken today in 1904. Wow. I wonder how he would fare today. I mean, we it's a big argument about comparing sure. past eras of baseball. I just wonder. I mean, he was so dominant. I, I wonder how he would fare today if he could hit his spots. He, I wonder how fast he threw. I mean, legit. Yeah. Did Cy Young break 85? <laughs> we don't know. We Who no knows? Idea. And he uh, was throwing, you know, that's the dead era, the dead yeah. ball era, too. I mean, he was actually that was before the dead ball era. Even home runs were a just a, a rarity at that point. But that's yeah. interesting to think. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's move right on to debuts. I want to get through BP kind of quick today because we got a lot of stuff to get through in the main part of the show and then we've got wax packs heroes of course so let's get to our debuts i mentioned that uh this show is dropping on may 11th i only have one debut there was really nobody of real significant note to talk about who made their debuts today but i do want to talk about 1993 jerry depoto made his debut in the big leagues 
I heard of that guy. Yeah, now the uh, the GM of the Mariners. I think he was a G, was, he was the assistant GM of the Angels. I think. And then he, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Depoto pitched for eight years in the big leagues. He came up with Cleveland, spent two years there, two years with the Mets, and then finished out with four years in Colorado. Ended up with a twenty-seven and twenty-four record. Uh, ERA plus of one twenty. Now, looking at his last four years, which were all in Colorado hitter-friendly Colorado, he posted ERA pluses of 110, 147, 137, and 150. That's, wow. That's hard to do. That's hard to do anywhere, but that's hard to do in course Field, especially. Oh, no kidding. Obviously, then moved on to the front office. As a, as a GM, he's a big fan of analytics, which we talk about here on the show from time to time. In L.A., he was the assistant GM. And Mike Sosha was, of course, the manager at that point. And that kind of caused an issue because Sosha, I mean, you could kind of just look at him and tell that he really didn't care for shifts or openers or, you know, <laughs> anything on paper telling him what to do. Yeah, very old school. Yeah, totally. A gut, gut feeling guy. But, you know, Sosha has one more World Series ring as a manager than I do. So I'll cut him some stuff. Right. Jerry DePoto. That was, that was the only guy I could find today. Let's uh, move on to trivia. I asked you a question last week. Uh, we got a couple of answers. We got a right answer this week. So uh, we'll get to that in one minute. But the question I asked you, Mark, was who was the last player in Major League Baseball to have the same last name as the city they were born in? Could you come up with anything? All I could think of was Jacques Desmoines. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I that's a tough question. I mean, I was trying to think of guys with last names being a city, and I didn't think of very many of them. Daryl Boston. Yep, um, he's from Cincinnati. Yeah. And then there are a lot of Austins with their first names, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I did some searches just to make sure because there's like Jackson, Mississippi, Austin, Texas, you know, sure. kind of these places that, oh, well, that's a name I didn't think about. But uh, no, the uh, and this is going to be uh, one that I don't really remember. It is not, it's not Fallout Boy. Phoenix is the city we were looking for. And Steve Phoenix. Steve Phoenix was an Oakland Athletic. He was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. This is right in your wheelhouse where you might have, uh, you might very yeah. well have known Steve Phoenix. I, I did. I knew Steve Phoenix. Cool guy, cool name. Um, you know, did a little major league time. Two years in the big leagues, only three games, lifetime ERA of 13.5. It, it kind of killed him. He appeared in one game in 95, went one and two-thirds innings, and it ended up with an ERA of 32.4. That's a little rough. Your boy Mike Blowers did the damage. He had a three-run home run <laughs> off him that really <laughs> inflated that ERA. But uh, he was born in Phoenix, Arizona in 1968. I do not remember Steve Phoenix at all. I'm glad you do, and that's kind of cool that you uh, you know of him pretty weird in uh, 93 in Tacoma 11 games uh, 94 he was there for 20 games not bad a 1.23 ERA that's you know it's better than a sharp stick in the eye I guess yep. 
I, I did want to mention we did get one correct answer. I think this is two weeks in a row, maybe that that uh, Andrew S. Harner won on Twitter. Got this? He uh, he came up with Steve Phoenix. He came up with a lot of other guys that were not born in the city that sports their last name, but uh, he did come up with Steve Phoenix finally. And uh, I hope I you know I know that I know that Andrew did a lot of work. Uh, I, I know our buddy Chris does a lot of work. I hope all of our listeners work at hard in their day jobs as they do is you know in getting our trivia questions because uh, <laughs> these guys put in a lot of work and and that's really cool. So we appreciate that. Well done, Andrew. Yes. All right. So I've got a new question for you. Now I thought this was a cool question. I've got a book where I get some of these from as I'm reading through the book. And this book presented several answers to this question, one of which I thought was odd and I didn't remember this person uh, that they claimed was on the A's but was never on the A's. So this book has got some errors, but there are other answers to this. Uh, My question for next week, or for this week, I guess, is uh, I've decided to dip our toes into the players who played for teams X, Y, and in this case, Z again. Who is the last player to play for all five teams located in the state of California? Wow. Wow. First of all, it's amazing that someone did. Yeah, several did. And boy, I have no idea. I'm going to have to think about that for a week. Yeah, so this book claimed that the answer was Steve Finley was the latest. Steve Finley no. never put on an A's uniform. No. And, you know, unless he somehow, maybe, did he maybe sign and then never, like, do anything with them? I, not that I'm aware of, and I, I was a pretty big Steve Finley fan. I just, I, I don't believe he did. Angels, Giants, Dodgers, uh, he came up, or didn't come up, but he was with, he was with the Padres at one point. Uh, but yeah, never A's. So I'm not sure where they came up with that, but uh, the answer is not Steve Finley. So you'll have to keep searching. If you have got an idea, an answer, go ahead and let us know. You can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us or all that stuff we'll tell you at the end of the show. Yeah, let us know. All right, Mark, let's get into the main part of the show. I'm going to start off because I've got a couple of things that I want to just talk about that you actually talked about last week, and then we'll get to your stuff. So last week we talked about pitchers scuffing the ball in a couple of different ways that the pitchers will cheat. And we talked about Whitey Ford, which is pretty cool. Whitey Ford, Hall of Famer. Uh, You talked about the gunk that Whitey would make. Yes, it, it consisted of turpentine, baby oil, and rosin. Well, what we didn't talk about was how he stored this. He didn't just keep it in a bucket and like, you know, like it's Vaseline or something and just stick his fingers in there. He kept it in a roll-on deodorant container that he actually kept in the dugout during games when he would pitch. <laughs> you never let him see you sweat, no, man. It's, it's strong enough for a man, but made for whitey. <laughs> that Whitey, that's just not a good name to say things with unless you say Whitey for it. Uh, well, when he wasn't pitching, he would just keep this in his locker and it looked like just a regular antiperspirant deodorant stick. Well, one day, Yogi Berra was looking for some antiperspirant. He'd run out and he sees this in Whitey's locker. Now, I don't know if this was common knowledge that that's where Whitey kept it, but Yogi grabbed it applied it in in the general armpit area as one does 
they had to eventually shave Yogi Bear's armpits to get him <laughs> to be able to lift his arms above his shoulders once again. <laughs> Poor Yogi. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's that's got to hurt. Well, you don't want to borrow someone's deodorant anyway. It's kind yeah, of a I weird know. Thing. That is, unless it's the spray on type, I am right. not doing that. Beyond the cheating that Whitey Ford did only when he needed it later in his career. Uh, Whitey was, yeah, only when he needed it. Whitey was known to gain uh, an extra advantage in other ways as well. He said on occasion, and again, just when he needed that little extra, that he would pitch from in front of the pitching rubber. (laughs) Uh, He said, sometimes you could stand with both feet on the rubber, get your sign, and then when you pitched, your first step could be about three feet in front of the rubber. Wow. Three feet. Instead of 60 feet, six inches, that's 57 feet, six inches. So that's yeah. going to add it's going to add a, a, a bit of speed to your fastball. Now, Takes away some reaction time. Yeah. Now, this I found very interesting because I found this next part in a book that is entitled Throwing Heat. Do you know who wrote Throwing Heat? I have no idea. Maybe somebody with the last name Ryan. Yes. That's my- Exactly. Hall of Famer and your favorite pitcher of all time, Nolan Ryan. He said this. He said, you just rock up, step in the hole that's been dug in front of the rubber, and you're half a dozen inches closer to the plate. Normally, there's enough dirt and stuff on the mound late in the game to cover things up. Cheater. Nolan Ryan. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so, I I mean, that Whitey Ford thing, three feet is a bit extreme. That is, yeah. I don't know how somebody wouldn't notice that, but a couple of inches, absolutely. And think if you're like, no, if you're, you know, Randy Johnson or AJ Puck or, or, you know, one of these guys that's six foot 10 or whatever, I mean, you're almost throwing it right at home plate. If you're stepping up closer, <laughs> I think that's pretty yeah. cool. That's amazing. Uh, that's enough on, on, Randy and, and, and Nolan. Uh, Rick Honeycutt, of course, we talked about that. Love it. Thumbtack. He gets busted. <laughs> wipes his forehead as he's walking off. <laughs> Looks like Steve Austin. Well, I found a little bit more about this story, which I had not heard about before. So before he cut himself with the thumbtack. So remember, he did that after he had been discovered and he kicked out of the game. And as he's walking off, he's wiping the sweat off his forehead and blades himself across the forehead. Well, when the umps were searching him, looking for this whatever, they didn't know what at that point that he was scuffing the ball with, he actually pricked home plate umpire Bill Kunkel with this thumbtack. That's how they found it, is Kunkel was just like grabbing his hands and got pricked. Kind of a giveaway. Wow. The next day during the line exchange, Mariners manager Maury Wills handed Kunkel a small square of sandpaper that Kunkel had failed to find on Honeycutt the day before when he had searched him. Will said, you might as well get the whole kit. <laughs> so, <laughs> Maury Wills was an awful, awful man. Amazing player, uh, incredible at what he did, and just not a good manager. Never, never should have been managing. Honeycutt was later traded to the A's. We've talked about my reaction whenever he would come in the game for the A's. Players don't forget these things. They've got long memories. He was welcomed into the clubhouse by his new teammates where he found thumbtacks and band-aids stuck all over his locker. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully he didn't. (laughs) I had a good sense of humor about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> Uh, and finally, I wanted to talk about Gaylord Perry a little bit more. We got a, we had great stories last week about Gaylord Perry. He is quite a character. License plate on his uh, his car actually reads Spitter. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he also indoctrinated his family very well. A reporter once asked his five-year-old daughter whether her daddy actually cheated when he pitched. Without skipping a beat, this little precocious five-year-old said, it's a hard slider. <laughs> do, do I believe this story? No. Do I love this story? Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Uh, at one point in his career, Perry claimed that he didn't throw the spitter anymore. This caused Twins manager Gene Mock to reply, he doesn't throw it any less either. <laughs> so just some stuff. It, it was funny. I was, I was reading a book and, and these just happened to come up exactly what we talked about last week so i wanted to throw those stories in there and uh just kind of revisit those because those are some some good uh, additions i thought that's awesome uh all right mark what uh, you got something uh, you want to talk about as well so jeff uh, i have a question for you to start off this little talk okay. uh, why did babe ruth only win the mvp award one time he didn't get it in 27 when he had 60 home runs hmm i am trying to rack my brain uh, I think there was only one MVP award given out, right? There wasn't an MVP for each league. So, but still, I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't have won it in 27. Interestingly enough, the original MVP award that was uh, from 22 to 29 actually done away with after the 1929 season because it had lost credibility. Part of the reason was Babe Ruth did not get the MVP award in 27. And the reason was... You could only win the MVP one time. Wow. <laughs> well, that makes it very prestigious, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, it also delegitimizes yeah. the award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this led me to check out other awards and how many times people had won them. Well, there's an amazing award called the Tip O'Neill Award. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay, this is not Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House. That's back where, in the 80s. Yep. Okay. Tip O'Neill used to be a pitcher as well, right? Yes. Ah, okay. This award is named after James Tip O'Neill, and it is given annually to a Canadian baseball player ah. who is, and I quote, judged to have excelled in individual achievement and team contribution while adhering to the highest ideals of the game of baseball. So there's the Tip O'Neill Award, and... The reason I noticed that people can win it more than one time is that I noticed that Larry Walker won it nine times and Joey Votto has won it seven times. And uh, a lot of the Canadian baseball hall of fame, hall of fame players have won like Walker, Jason Bay, Terry Poole, Rob Ducey, Ryan Dempster, Corey Kosky, Justin Morneau won it when he won the MLB's MVP award. So he won both. And it, uh, it's a pretty interesting award. Here, uh, a little bit of a story about it. In 2020, the award went to Jamie Romack. Have you heard of Jamie Romack? Is he on the Twins? No, no. He is on in the uh, KBO. Oh. On the Wyverns. Uh, yeah, and I think they changed their name this year, too. So it shows you that you don't have to be a Major League Baseball player in order to win the award. In fact, the first time that Larry Walker won the Tip O'Neill Award, he was playing for the Jacksonville Expos. 
<laughs> in the minors, you can win this. Yes. Yes, you can. It's just the outstanding baseball player who excels in, you know, the stuff I already read. No, don't want to read again because I don't want to bore people, but it's too late. There was actually in 1991, a pitcher named Daniel Brabant won the award. And he was on the Canadian national baseball team and he had outstanding performances uh, all through the tournament there. Actually, I got the name wrong. It's the SSG Landers of the KBO League. Yeah, that, like I said, they changed their name this year. Yeah, James Romack won the award in the KBO. Daniel Brabant uh, won. He was in the 1991 World Youth Baseball Championships. So he, he pitched amazing. He had a zero ERA. It was a round-robin tournament, and he went 3-0 and with a 0.46 over 19 and two-thirds innings. So he won the Tip O'Neill Award that year. It's, uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting that not only is there a Canadian Player of the Year Award, and to our listeners in Canada, I apologize for not knowing this. Uh, not only is it is it there, but anybody that's a, a baseball player can be awarded this achievement. And uh, I thought, man, you know, what if I get back out there after I get uh, my arm healed again and I start playing some softball? Uh, I just have to become a Canadian citizen. So I'm thinking about that and uh, trying to come up with a devise a way to do it. Why uh, I, a baseball reference? Why is this award not listed on anybody's I don't page? Know. I don't know. So here's a, and, and what leads me to this is, can you tell me which Canadian-born MLB player has the highest career war? Ooh, um, well, I would. My first guess would be Larry Walker. He is second to really? another Hall of Famer, the only oh. other Hall of Famer to ever hail from the Great White North. Uh, Hall of Famer from the Great White North. I have no idea who that is. Who who was it? Fergie Jenkins. Fergie Jenkins, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I I would I did I never guess I remembered Fergie Jenkins being from being from Canada. Also, that leads me so uh, games played, players born in Canada. Larry Walker is first with nineteen hundred and eighty eight. Joey Votto is second with eighteen hundred. Second is Matt Stairs, professional hitter. <laughs> Matt Stairs, who once prompted. My uh, supervisor in the minor leagues to say, you know, stairs isn't that consistent. He's always up and down. <laughs> he, he didn't even say it on purpose. It was brilliant. And I was like, dude, stairs is up and down. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So just uh, let's take a quick look at Tip O'Neill. So he, he appeared in 10 years in the big leagues. Boy, 1887. What a year. Uh, he appeared in 124 games, led the league in runs, hits, doubles, triples, 14 home runs in 1887, 123 RBIs, won the batting title with, oh, actually he won the triple crown. He hit 435, 490, 691, an OPS of 1.180, an OPS plus of 213. The only things he did not lead the league in were stolen bases. He stole 30. He walked 50 times, only struck out 20. He didn't lead the league in at-bats or hit by pitch. Everything else, he led the league in. My wow. goodness. That's dominance. Yeah. That, uh, he, was, he was really good. Also won a World Series in 1886 as a member of the St. Louis Browns. If he would have that's had crazy. a longer career, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Very true. I mean, that's, those are some numbers right there. Yeah, the Woodstock Wonder. That was his nickname. The Woodstock Wonder. He's buried in Woodstock, 
Ontario. Ontario, I think. Yeah. yeah. So the first winner of the Tip O'Neill Award was a Houston Astro. I just wanted to point that out. Terry Swimming Pool. Yeah, I would have never known Terry Pool was Canadian. Yeah, I only knew because I used to collect. Never mind. I used to collect any Astros cards. Oh, I thought you were going to say you collected Terry Pool cards, and I thought that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I had a number of them. You know, I like the guy. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's cool. Uh, maybe we should talk. We'll look at Terry, uh, Terry Poole. Yeah, well, let's do a Terry Poole episode. Uh, maybe Why we'll not? look at Tip O'Neill and see if there's uh, enough there for an episode because uh, he seems kind of interesting. So uh, you're talking about uh, Canada. I'm going to go south of the border. I got something that, first of all, a huge mystery was solved for me this week. A mystery that spans 15 years. At least. Actually, a little bit longer than that. And it has to do with Vinny Castilla. All right. So uh, before I worked for the for the current company I work at that I've I've been at for over 20 years, I worked in radio in Salt Lake City. I produced the morning drive sports radio show. I covered high school sports, but I also ran the board when uh, for Rockies games. We were the Rockies affiliate in Salt Lake City. Right. That was when Vinny Castilla was on the Rockies and his walk up song was very distinct. I heard it, you know, every every game I ran, I could hear it in the background when they were home. Heard that for a couple of seasons. Then uh, I end up working at the Braves and who shows up there. But Vinny Castilla played a couple of years at the Braves. Same walk up song. It was his walk up song the entire, you know, his entire career. Yeah, I was last week old when I discovered the name of the song was actually The Matador by Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. Ah. Now, until then, like I said, until last week, I could have sworn that they were singing, instead of Matador, Pantalones. (laughs) So close. Which, of course, in Spanish means pants. Right. And I always thought it was strange to have a walk-up song or, you know, or just a song in general about pants, unless you're the Wiggles. Right. There's not a lot of songs about pants. I mean, this isn't a music podcast, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So hot pants. Sure. I, I'm guessing Van Halen and ZZ Top probably have several <laughs> songs dedicated just to that. But regular pants or pantalones. No. Well, I, I heard it. I had epiphany. And now I love this song. And now I also know that Vinny Castilla had a nickname his entire career, Matador. So just listen to this song and just tell me if you can hear, you'll probably hear Matador, but you'll also probably hear Pantalone, Pantalone. All right. I still hear Pantalone, <laughs> even though, yes, I hear Matador as well. I hear Pantalone as well. <laughs> okay. Okay. That song, that song is in rotation now on my Spotify playlist, by the way. Now, now, just so you know, Jonathan Colton had a song called Mr. Fancy Pants in 2011. <laughs> and uh, Cameo of, of Word Up fame yeah. did a song called Shake Your Pants. <laughs> So there's a couple of pants oh, and songs. what was that? That uh, pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Yes. Like, oh, Larry Platt, pants on right? the ground. <laughs> yes. 
And uh, there was one when I was really little called um, my blue. I put my blue jeans on or something like that. Mr. Green uh, jeans. No, it wasn't Mr. Green jeans. There are. Yes, there are songs, but they're not just called pants, which I thought Vinny Castillo was walking to the plate with. But no, it's Matador. I dig the song. That's a good song. Now, this led me to a couple of other songs. And what what's really cool about this and, and what's cool about going to so many baseball games is I get to hear music, uh, specifically Latin music, that I would normally not be seeking out. I would not right. be just I don't listen to that generally. But I've got songs in my playlist now that are all in Spanish and I love them. So here is one. Uh, that I'm, I'm okay with. I'm kind of lukewarm. It's Sergio Romo. Now, except for the way he pitched today, he's awful. All right, <laughs> he's not. He's, he's awful this year. But his music, when he comes in the ball game, has been for a long time. El Michon by Banda Sinaloensa. Now, Michon means lock in English. At okay. least that's what Google Translate tells me. Which. I mean, this year, he really should have a different theme song. But, you know, when he was closing, and he was a good closer, it it makes sense. I'm assuming that this happened when he was, like, in Minnesota and all these other places, when he played this music. The fans here in Oakland go absolutely nuts in the stands. So here's a a quick sample of it. Now... Definitely not the kind of music I normally listen to, but if you are coming into a song that features a tuba, I'm giving you props. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a fun little number right there. I mean, it's it's enjoyable to listen to. I don't know what's going on, but it sure is a fun <laughs> well, one. Well, it, I'll put a link to the video in the, in the show notes because there are like 1,300 people in this band and they're doing oh, conga lines. There's a tuba. There is just about every instrument you could possibly think of. And yeah, this is just a big party song and just everybody, because it, it kind of makes you want to move. Everybody in the stands goes crazy when they hear this. And then they see... <laughs> they see Romo just walking people or giving up hits and then it's not as fun. And then it's the dance stops. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah. But you right. know, I don't know if, if many people outside of A's remember when Grant Balfour was closing for the A's, he always came into metal. He, he was a big metal head. And so they would do what they called the Balfour rage in right field where they would just, it was, you know, basically just like a mosh pit out there. Yeah. But that's what they would do. Now I've got, I got one more. Okay. Like I said, I get exposed to a lot of music I've, I've never heard of before. And I've heard this one for several players, a lot of Latino players. It's called Abba Yarde. And that's an awful pronunciation. It sounded more French to me. Uh, but it's by Tego Calderon. And what I like about this, and Fernando Rodney used it when he was here in Oakland. That's how I... I really remember it but i I think one i think one of the molinas used it for a while as well but i love this one so just listen to this one i i'll tell you what i think when i hear it I'm tempted just to let it run. I love this song. 
<laughs> that, that's a really that's a toe tapper. I like it. It's got a cool bass line to it. Yeah, and it's got a trombone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you if you're gonna beat a tuba from Sergio Romo's, you gotta go with a trombone. But to me, that just it's like an old gunslinger is what I think of with that with that trombone that I forget what those things are, you know, that they put on the end of it to kind of make it have that sound. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what those are called. I, we'll have to uh, ask the powers that be. Yeah. I remember seeing them on like the Lawrence Welk show there. I'm dating myself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you brought up Lawrence Welk. And the one and the two and the three. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was just, I thought it'd be fun just to do a little uh, Latino music uh, segment. To just kind of because that, no, that's great. Literally, that Vinny Castilla thing threw me for a <laughs> loop when I found out it was called the Matador and that he was nicknamed Matador and that they weren't singing Pantalone. That's funny. And by the way, this part of the podcast is being brought to you by the song Forever in Blue Jeans by Neil Diamond. <laughs> My very first concert. Oh, wow. Was that like. Last year? <laughs> oh, I've seen Neil several times. I I love Neil nice. Diamond. I'm not gonna lie, man. I, I love I am Neil Diamond. A fan I think of Neil he's Diamond. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. It's weird how a Jewish man has one of the best Christmas albums of all time. But uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, that's gonna that's gonna wrap up. Uh, you know, this was not really a Tales from the Dugout. I let's call, we're gonna call this one a bullpen day instead okay. of tales from the because we kind of we kind of went back to last week and then we did have new topics but they were a little bit longer than our usual tales from the bullpen so we're going to call this one bullpen day okay all right let's uh let's head into our final segment of the show the very popular uh, segment where we uh, open up old baseball cards and we talk about them so uh without any further ado let's head into wax pack zeros Okay, so Mark, last week we did something very cool, I thought. We opened up packs that were actually made in this century. We yeah, and you actually hit a relic, uh, hit a rel- uniform relic. Yeah, it did, did, did me no good because he did not appear in the majors that year. But we got our first relic. That's cool. Uh, this week we're opening up a pack that we've never touched before as well. This week we are opening up 97 Don Russ. Now, these are very different to me because these are not in a pack like we normally open, you know, a wax pack or, you know, score upper deck. These are in packs with cardboard and they're, they're meant to hang so that you could just buy a pack and, you know, pull it off the rack. They're listed at $2.99 per pack, which I will tell you, I paid more than that. Uh, for this box of these <laughs> but i wanted some different years and 97 is definitely going to get us some some different players not all but a couple i have no idea what these look like there are some random inserts in here so we could get something of interest but let's look at our scoreboard first of all because i'm staging a miraculous comeback you're sitting at 19 wins you need one more to claim the title for the second season in a row i have creeped up to 13 wins. So I only need to win seven more in a row <laughs> to, to, to dethrone you. It could happen. 
It could happen. It could happen. All right, so uh, let's go over the rules really quick. If you're new, we're going to open up these two packs. We're going to score them based on baseball references war for the year of the pack. So we'll be scoring them on the 1997 season. A couple of extra things to help your score. If you are sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. If you're sporting a really good Wade Boggs, again, not the best mustache, but Wade Boggs, Raleigh Fingers, Tom Selleck-like mustache, we're going to give you two tenths of a point. If you're wearing sweatbands that have got a caricature of yourself, your jersey number, or a corporate logo because you've sold out, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point. You're wearing glasses of any sort, reading glasses, uh, glasses because you're blind and you don't want people to see your eye that isn't there. Funny nose and uh, and eyebrow glasses. Doesn't matter. You're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If you're wearing real stirrups that we can see, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. But if you are wearing two-in-ones, we're going to minus it. And we found out from these newer cards, can't see a lot of stirrups going on. So that's uh, probably not going to come into play a whole lot. And then finally, if you are a Hall of Famer, you're going to get a whole extra point of war. All right, Mark, I've got two packs here. I can guarantee you these have not been opened because they are factory sealed and uh, I'm probably going to need some scissors to actually open them. So let me prepare for that. Uh, Would you I'm going to let you decide which pack you want. And then uh, I'm going to tell you already I'm going to go last. (laughs) Do you want the bag in my left hand or my right hand? Well, I'm I'm, what we're looking for in these is they're randomly inserted uh, Hall of Fame autographs. I is. Oh, is that what they are? I think if you hit one, you win automatically. I, that's just the way right. I see it. Uh, yeah, Let's from see. from Rod Carew to Duke Snyder, Ernie Banks. Oh wow, Steve Carlton, this is exciting. Killebrew. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we could hit something. Probably not, but we no, could hit probably something. Not. <laughs> we'll get high pockets, right. Kelly. Yes, right, right, uh, right hand pack with a nice Hall of Famer. Okay, in there somewhere. All, All right, right, so I'm gonna have you go first here. I'm gonna just go ahead and cut these. With scissors, probably just... Oh, I did already. I, I cut one of the cards. <laughs> wasn't a Hall of Fame autograph. <laughs> okay, now, within these packs, they are then sealed in plastic as well. And it looks... Uh, yeah, I did cut one of the cards. <laughs> Oops. Good collector. All right. But, all right. Oh, well, here you go. Not a Hall of Famer, but definitely... And he's the card I cut. <laughs> uh, not a Hall of Famer, but definitely, probably... One of, if not the most dominant pitchers of the 80s decade. It's Oral Hershiser. Nice. Yeah, you gotta love Oral. He's, uh, he actually got mentioned a little bit in our Doctoring the Baseball episode. Yep. Uh, he was uh, known to use water uh, to weigh the ball. I don't know if any of it's true or not, but I can tell you this. He was a fantastic pitcher. Yeah, I, I actually read a little bit about him. He would put water in between innings. He would splash it on the back of his neck. And then he'd go out and he'd take the rosin bag and he'd put rosin on his hands and then he'd wipe the back of his neck. And when you get that rosin wet, it gets tacky. Interesting. That's how he would do that. So let's see. I I mean, so many superlatives for Oral Hershiser, Cy Young Award winner, World Series winner, World Series uh, MVP, ALCS MVP, NLCS MVP, Silver Slugger, Gold Glove. I mean, he did just about everything in 1997 was his final year in Cleveland went 14 and six 4.47 ERA that's good for a 105 ERA plus and that equates to a war of 2.3 thank you Earl yeah that's good Uh, nothing on this card is going to get you anything additional but uh, that's a good way to start out yeah all right 
Next, uh, wow, we've talked about this guy before. <laughs> it sucks that we're just getting guys that we've talked about before, but I like <laughs> these guys. Uh, Ruben Sierra here uh, with the Detroit Tigers. Ruben could hit no matter what. Where he was, he was always a dangerous hitter. Yeah, Ruben Sierra, let's see. So all-star four times in his career, also won a Silver Slugger Award. In 1997, he split time between the Reds and the Blue Jays. Ended up with a combined 69 OPS plus. So this was at the end of his career. Well, actually, yeah. no. <laughs> 1997, he was only 31 years old. Oh, wow. But, well, I mean, his, his production had slumped at this point. He went on to play for another nine years. He spent 20 years in the big leagues. 1997, war-wise, though, only a minus point one. Uh, but he has got a mustache. So that's... Okay, save me. Yeah, that's going to be a, a straight up nothing for you there but that's better than better than the minus one el caballo all right next uh we go on to a seattle mariner so we're sure to get some value here it is russ davis russ davis third baseman i believe uh let's see yeah it's it's hard because they put the position in this silver like foil but yes third base yeah i remember russ was um he was Pretty highly regarded, but did uh, not become the superstar we all hoped. Eight years in the big leagues. Had a couple. Uh, he had three years in a row where he hit 20-plus home runs. All of those were with Seattle. So they really they got the best out of him. Yeah. 1997 was uh, 20 home runs, 63 RBI, slash 271, 317, 488 for an OPS plus of 109. And that equals a 1.8 war, plus he's got real stirrups on. So that's a plus 1.9. Gotta go, Russ. That'll take you up to 4.2. Uh, this of note, though, Russ Davis hit the very first home run ever in Safeco, now T-Mobile Park. Yes, I forgot about that. He did. All right, so this is kind of cool. This is, this is fun getting these older cards than what we usually open because we've gotten Daryl Strawberry many times before, but we've never gotten Daryl Strawberry in a Yankees uniform. Oh yeah, that's definitely different. All right, so Strawberry, uh, we've talked about it, Rookie of the Year in 1983. 1997, still had two years left after this year. He spent the final five years of his career with the Yankees. Was hurt most of this year, though, only appeared in 11 games, had an OPS plus of minus 13. That's... I don't know, but I think that's not good. Uh, he didn't play enough, though, to really accrue too much bad stuff. Uh, minus 0.5 war. No mustache, because uh, he's on the Yankees. I can't tell. He's got the high tops and the pants all the way down. I, I can't tell if he's got stirrups or not. We're, we'll just, well, we'll give it to you. We like to like to be nice here. So that's only a minus 0.4. Oh, only. Yeah, only. only. We're not gonna. We're not gonna look into Daryl's personal life, though. We'll just move on to the next. He had some issues for a while. Yeah. All right. So this is a card. This is a special card. It's a press proof. Press proof. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what that means. It it looks exactly the same as the other cards. Only it says press proof. Yamil Benitez with the Expos. I do not recall Yamil Benitez. I do not either. So, Yamil Benitez spent four years in the big leagues. 97, he was with the Royals. Uh, he was an outfielder. Uh, actually, uh, let's see, he appeared in 53 games in 97. 92 OPS plus. 
That it, he accrued a war of 0.4 in the positive, so you got that going for you. Looks like he's got a mustache, so that'll get you a 0.5. Pretty much wipes out Daryl Strawberry's uh, contributions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, played a lot, it looks like, in the Mexican League. Yeah, kind of. Once his career wrapped up in the big leagues, he went to Mexico, where he played for a couple of years. All right, next, uh, we've got a guy here with the Brewers. I remember this guy. I don't remember any, much about him, but I remember his name, Matt Miski. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same there. I remember a Matt Miski, but I don't remember who Matt Miski was. Well, he's got a good mustache, I'll tell you that. I don't, think it's, that. A, I don't think it's a two-tenths of a mustache, but it's a good, it fits him well. Nice. Matt Miski was drafted by the A's in 1989. Never played for him in the big leagues. Came up with Milwaukee. In 97 was his final year with the Brewers and uh, ended up with an OPS plus of 79. Uh, he went on to the Cubs after that. I remember him there watching him on WGN. Hmm. Let's see, uh, a war of minus 0. 0.6. So I'm going to guess on. his defense was not that great. The mustache does help you. So it's only a minus 0. 0.5 and that will take you to 3.8 thus far. All right, next, uh, we've got a guy. Now, I would expect at this point to have seen him likewise in a Yankee uniform, but he's still in a Twins uniform here, Chuck Knobloch. Chucky Knob, or the blockhead, as we <laughs> Chuck, new kids on the Knobloch. That's my favorite nickname. Nice. You were a big new kids fan, weren't you? I'm in KOTB to, to death, man. Oh, right on. Uh, let's see, Chuck Knobloch. Was this his last year with Minnesota? 97, yeah, last year with Minnesota. Then he went on to the Yankees for several years. Uh, he won a World Series four times in his career. That's pretty pretty impressive. Wow. 97 was not a bad year. Uh, slash 291, 394, 11, an OPS plus of 110. He was, he was usually a number two hitter, wasn't he? I think he led off sometimes, but I seem to remember him being a number two guy in the lineup, hmm. but uh, not I bad no recollection. Second best war year, 1997, 6.8. Yeah, he yeah. had a couple of really good years. Yeah, now you're going to like this because he's got real stirrups on, he's got flip-down sunglasses, and he's got a beard and mustache. So that's an extra three-tenths. I don't remember facial hair with Chuck Knobloch. Well, he's got a beard, so that's, that's why. Okay. So 6.8 plus 3 is 7.1. That's a big bath there for, for Knobloch. Thanks, Chuck. We've, we've touched on Chuck. He had some, some throwing issues. Yes. Okay, now I am worried here. I'm worried that you are going to blow me away with this one card. Wow, uh -oh. got, I see your next card, too. I'm, I'm scared, legitimately. Huh. First baseman for the Oakland Athletics in 1997. Some young guy named Mark McGuire. No, 97, mm. not 87. Oh, I'm sorry. I, thought, I was thinking 87. That's pretty <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. that's where we usually go. But no, these are 97 <laughs> packs. Yeah, it didn't click. <laughs> so uh, the great Jambino, Jason Giambi. Oh, sure. Jason had a couple of monster years in Oakland. Yeah, so fortunately, this is early enough in his career that he was not getting those MVP votes uh, every year. This was his second full year in the big leagues, 20 home runs, 80 ribs, 41 doubles, slash 293, 362, 495 for a 126 OPS plus. That's good. Yes. Uh, but a war of only 1.8. Uh, 
Do they um do they take away points for any use of anabolics or human growth hormone? I don't think so at this point. Oh, they, should, I don't get it then. Yeah, but uh, that is a war of 1.8. Nothing here. Now, I'm going to tell you, he does not have real stirrups on because poking out of his long pants, all I see is yellow. And that would be the sanitary color of yeah. the A's sanitary socks. So uh, no extra... Th- uh, no extra. Oh, I thought he had flip downs, but nope, just eye black. 1.8, though, that brings you up to 12.7. We won't go into his personal stuff because we all know what that's about. Next, uh, you get the the big Marine for the uh, San Francisco Giants. Uh, again, though, he never served. It's Matt Williams. Uh, Matt Williams. There's a guy that had a ton of pop and played amazing third base. defense. Great defensive third baseman and played for a long time. One year in Cleveland, but beyond that, it was uh, San Francisco and Arizona. Yep. Uh, 1997 was that one year in Cleveland, though. He did, though, win a gold glove and a silver slugger. Ended up with 105 ribs, 32 home runs, a 101 OPS+. plus. That is rather odd for those power numbers <laughs> to only have a 101. Uh, he must Did he not walk a lot? Oh, yeah. Only 34 walks. In 151 games. I Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that'll that'll hurt your on base. Uh, 97, though, that is a 4.3 war. He's got flip downs and real sunglasses, so that's 4.5. That'll work for me, man. Yeah, you're racking it up. That's 17.2. Matt Williams, uh, again, also still the manager of the Kia Tigers this year. In the KBO, yeah. the KBO. Yep. Uh, also nicknamed Matt the Bat. I haven't heard that one. I like it, though. Okay, next you've got a rated rookie card. It's Oogie Ugeth Urbina. Ugeth Urbina. I believe he is the only major league player to ever have the uh, initials UU, and I think his middle name starts with a U as well. Now, we are definitely not going to go into Oogie's personal life because there's some messed up stuff there. Yes, uh, Ugeth Urtain Urbina. Triple U. Triple U. That's impressive. Oogie, uh, let's see, uh, was on the 2003 World Series team with the Marlins, came over late in the season. 1997 was his third year in the big leagues. Montreal appeared in 63 games out of the bullpen, went 5-8, and eight, OPS plus, or I'm sorry, an ERA plus of 111, and that equals a war of .6. His pants are tucked into his, uh, his shoes, his high tops. Everyone has high tops here. We, we used to take points away for that, but we've, we've moved on. Point six, he's got a mustache as well, so you'll get point seven there. That'll bring you up to 17.9. Real quick, um, Uguith Urtain Ubina Villarreal, his full name, led the National League in saves in 1999 with 41. That would have been good for you if we were doing 99. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> All right, next, uh, this is going to take me a minute to type into Google. Uh, because uh, Harry Carey couldn't even say his name, let alone me spell it. It's Mark Grezelonik. Yes, uh, also known as iChart. <laughs> I, I thought that was, or no, Scrabble. That's Mark Zipchinski. Yes. Uh, Grezelonik, oh boy, Harry Carey just struggled, just struggled <laughs> to say his name. That's pretty funny. Uh, 1997, he was uh, final year with the Expos, led the league in at-bats and doubles with 54. Slash 273, 307, 384, only an OPS plus of 81. And that equates to a war of 1.5. 
there is nothing on here that's going to get you anything additional, but you'll get a 1.5 there, and that'll bring you up to 19.4. Woo! All right. Actually, you've got two cards left now because, again, these stick to each other. Maybe. Do you, no, you've got three cards left. <laughs> these things. Are so, uh, here's another Mariner, Joseph Cora. Who? Joey Cora. Oh, yeah. Joey Cora, a very popular guy around here. So Joey Cora was an all-star once in his career, and that year was 1997 with the Mariners. Nice. Appeared in 149 games, hit 300. 359 on base and a 441 slugging for a 110 OPS plus. Wow. That equates to a 2.6 war. He's got sunglasses on and he's got two sweatbands with his jersey number on it. <laughs> right on. Wow. So that's 2.9 from Joey Cora. Not bad work if you can get it. I'll take that. That'll bring you up to 22.3 with two cards left now for sure. There's two cards left. Okay. Uh, of course, uh, Joey, the brother of Alex Cora, manager of the Red Sox, and uh, known cheater. Uh, let's uh, move on. <laughs> wow, you got some good names here. Here he is with the Orioles, the man that still gets paid every single year. <laughs> Further than Bryce Harper is going to be getting paid by the Phillies, it's Bobby Bonilla. We uh, sometimes celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah. The internet certainly does. Yes. Uh, let's see. Bobby Bonilla in 1997 was uh, with the Marlins the entire year. He's pictured with the Orioles here, but that was from the year prior. Still appeared in 153 games. Still had an OPS plus of 125. That's wow. not bad for a 34-year-old. Uh, let's see. Only equates to a war of 2.0. And you're going to get a uh, mustache. So you'll get a 2.1 there. By the way, Bobby Bonilla Day, July 1st. And he gets 1.193 million every year on July 1st through 2035. Yeah. Jeez. That's crazy. Crazy is right. All right. So you're at 24.4 with your last card. And this is a guy I liked, even though he was on the White Sox. He was on the A's for a short period of time as well. Second baseman, Ray Durham. Oh, yeah. Ray Durham. Um, I remember him as a White Sox player. Yeah, I, I think that was where he spent most of his career. Uh, at second with Frank at first, but let's see. 14 years in the big leagues, eight of which were with the White Sox. Spent six years in San Francisco. That's hard to believe he spent that long. And then he huh. finished up his career in 2008 with a year in Milwaukee. 97 was his third year in the league. He was the full-time second baseman. Uh, only an OPS plus of 91. That's that's not the best. No, but he can get you a war of 0.9. Hey, and, I'll take a, I'll take a positive. Yeah, that's all you're going to get. There's nothing uh, nothing else here uh, from his card that's going to get you any extra value. Uh, all right, so Ray Durham will bring your final total up to twenty five point three. Wow, that that is a fantastic total, at least comparatively to previous games. Yeah, that's a that's a great score, and not a single Hall of Famer, but that's a good score. Hmm. All right. So let's uh, let's open mine. Let's see if I can cut this a little bit easier, so I don't damage these <laughs> these cards. I think I, I think I did a better job here. These are I mean these are like the opposite of of tops. They are so so <laughs> <laughs> sealed in here. I mean they're double sealed, which is great. Yes, it is. All right, so uh, I'm really starting off with a bang here. Uh, White Sox pitcher Jeff Darwin. 
Okay. Not Danny Darwin. No. Jeff Darwin. I, wasn't he a Mariner? Yes, he came up with the Mariners in, in 94. <laughs> in two games in with the Mariners. And then he Remember. went back down to the minors for a couple of years. 96 and 97 were his only years in Chicago and his last years in the big leagues. He appeared in 14 games in 97 with an ERA plus of 85. And that <laughs> equates to, oh, his war is zero. Now, Jeff, I'm kind of learning this baseball thing. Is that good? <laughs> well, it's it, your average. You gotta have average players, right? Not everybody can be Nolan Ryan or Ricky Henderson, and not yeah. everybody can be Mario Mendoza, right? You gotta have right. average players. This was one of those average players. Now, sure. question here, because he's got long pants, as everybody does at this point. All I see is black. Now. I'm thinking these are all just black socks. It's not stirrups. I see no sanitary right. underneath them. I'm going to not count that as a stirrup because it's not a stirrup. It's just a colored sock. Yes. All right. I, I think that's right. I just want to I want to set that precedent as I need to see some 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 sanitary. Uh, he is, however, I mentioned Danny Darwin. He is the brother of Danny Darwin, though. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but uh, nothing. I, I am at zero. It's like, as if that card did not exist. <laughs> all right. Next. Uh. Shortstop here for the Colorado Rockies, Nephi Perez. Nephi Perez. Don't remember a whole lot about him. I believe he was kind of a utility guy in the middle of the of the field. Uh, let's see. Uh-huh. Yeah, he played everywhere in the big leagues. Came, uh, got some Rookie of the Year votes in 1997, which was nice. his first full year in the big leagues. Only appeared in 83 games. Not any power. He led the league in triples once in 99, which... You know, in Colorado, if you've got any semblance of speed, that's such a huge, huge yard that you can get some triples. Uh, 86 OPS plus. I don't like where this is heading. A war of 1.0. Now, see, this sucks, Neffy, because he's got his pants pulled up to his knees, but it's all just black sock. There's no there's no uh, sanitary. That's not right. Where do these guys get their fashion sense? I'm serious, man. Come on. Something interesting about Neffy Perez. Yep. In 07, he turned a double play that saved Justin Verlander's no-hitter. And then he tested positive for amphetamines. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> but, you know, just so if, if you're not watching us on Twitch, you don't hear what we go through with each of these players. We go through and we, we try to find something fun about them as well. And normally we just find that they've been arrested for domestic violence <laughs> or Pretty that much. they've you know, named in the Mitchell report, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, next. Now, this is. Very timely, because Tawny Katane just passed away. He did, yes. Now, she was, yeah, she was married to Chuck Finley for a short time, wasn't she? Was, yeah. Chuck Finley was a five-time All-Star, pitched for 17 years in the big leagues. Uh, 1997 was the first year of the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. They were California up till 97. Went 13-6, and 4.23 ERA. ERA plus of of 111. It's a, oh, it's a pretty good year. He's just very consistent. Uh, 97, that equates to a war of 3.2, but there's nothing else on this. He's got a soul patch, but no, <laughs> no nothing else. Well, that doesn't count, uh, unfortunately, for everyone. M- married to, to actress Tawny Katane from 97 to 202. They go. had two daughters. They were named Winter and Rain. <laughs> well, you know what? Originality 
you just watch the weather report. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're big weather. Maybe they're Mike Trout weather fans. I don't know. Uh, yeah, of course, maybe. now this was this was a little bit different because Tawny Katane is the one who committed domestic violence against <laughs> against Chuck. That's no, right. It's not nothing to laugh at, but you know, I, she she also claimed that uh, he was a big steroid user and mm. uh, also uh, liked marijuana and alcohol. I mean, who doesn't? Right. <laughs> Let's be honest now. If, the, point, if, if, if that's going to disqualify us, this podcast does not exist as we know it anymore. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, this, now, this I didn't know because I've no, I haven't watched Burn Notice. I know that that show was on for quite a while. But the character Sam Axe, played by Bruce Campbell, Book of the Dead, I know that. Nice. Often used the alias Chuck Finley. Which is said be- to have been chosen by Sam because he successfully bet on Chuck Finley many times. Huh. All right, moving on. Well, this is a cool card, if uh, if nothing else. It is uh, Brewers shortstop Jose Valentin. Valentin with no E at the end, right? Correct. Or Jose a- Valentin. Yes. Yep. No, I remember because it's Valentin, not Valentine. And he's got a good mustache going here. He could wear a nice. uniform really well here in this picture. He's he's jumping over uh, Tom Goodwin, uh, turning a double play. And he's sneering in his picture on uh, Baseball Reference. Even better. <laughs> Valentin, let's see, 1997 with the Brewers. He was their full-time shortstop. Uh, not a whole lot going on there. Uh, 85 uh, OPS plus and a war of 1.4. He's got a mustache, not a two- tenths of a point but that'll get me a 1.5 so i'll take that i i need a big chuck knobloch card like you got to what, really... uh, what's the current score uh, i'm at 5.7 so i've, I've you got, got, you got a lot of cards to get some heavy lifting to do all right well i got our first hall of famer uh-oh it is it's not any kind of special card to anybody but myself i don't believe we have ever ever pulled our own favorite player card no i, I always so. i always pull nolan ryan cards yes you always pull ricky henderson cards well i have pulled a ricky henderson card with the san diego padres nice now it's an interesting picture because it is him uh in spring training with his bats in a bag and it looks like he's done like he's played the first couple innings of the game and he's headed out <laughs> with the bag over his shoulder <laughs> Uh, he's got sunglasses on, though, I'll tell you that. So, I mean, automatically, I got Hall of Fame and sunglass money coming my way. I mean, this will be an easy one, because we don't need to go through all superlatives, because I think we've already done it a million times. We've covered it, yeah. So, 97, he started with the Padres, and then was traded to the Angels down the stretch. Uh, let's see, uh, 97, overall, Ricky accrued a OPS plus of 101. Now, this he's age 38 at this point. Wow. He would still go on the next year to lead the league in walks and stolen bases. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, obviously, Ricky Henderson doing Ricky Henderson things. Overall, a war of 1.6. He is a Hall of Famer. He's got sunglasses on. No mustache. He usually had a mustache, but no mustache here. But that will get me 2.8. Ricky's, it's not Chuck Knobloch points, but it's... (laughs) That's the new term. It's something... (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, we don't need to go over about anything else about Ricky. Uh, next, I've got an Expos. Now, this guy is a legacy guy. His father, Diego, played for quite a while. It's David Segui here with the Expos. Another former Mariner, first baseman. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I remember when he was with the M's. I don't believe we've ever pulled David Segui before. I don't think so. I, I, I don't recall it. He had 15, 15 years in the big leagues. 97, he spent the whole year with the Expos. Uh, as their first baseman, only position he played the entire year, uh, had a good year too. Had some good power and got on base. Listen to this slash line: three hundred seven, three eighty, five hundred five, for his best, second best OPS plus of his career, one thirty one, and that equate oh, only a WAR of two point one. Uh, maybe not the defense and and the and the running. Maybe it's not so much good. Uh, 2.1, nothing on the card is going to get me anything else. So Something real interesting, at least to me, uh, his father, Diego Segui, threw out the first ever pitch in the kingdom. Oh, really? Like yeah. threw it out or, or threw it? No, he pitched for the Mariners. Got it. Okay. Uh, look at this. Uh, doesn't surprise me. Uh, we look at it again, and I see the word Mitchell report. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who is it? <laughs> Maybe we should get extra points if they're not mentioned in the Mitchell report <laughs> for now on. <laughs> All right, this guy is a guy that uh, a lot of people think should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, definitely, I'm, I'm looking for some points here. It's the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Mm. One of the great nicknames in baseball. Uh, let's see, Fred McGriff. Let's see, was he with the... Uh, yeah, he was with Atlanta at this point which is cool because I was, uh, this was my first year with Atlanta. I think I only got one year with him. He was the uh, the first baseman for the Braves. Uh, had an okay year. 97 ribs, 22 home runs, an OPS plus of 106. Led the league in double plays hit into. That's not good. Well, lucky guy. A war of only 0.2. Ouch. Ouch. Got a mustache though, so I'll get 0.3 out of it. But The crime dog finished his career seven home runs short of the 500 home run club uh, retired at the age of 40. Uh, he had two home runs that final year with Tampa Bay. His second stint with Tampa Bay, believe it or not. This is kind of interesting. In 82, the Yankees had Fred McGriff and they dealt him, Dave Collins and Mike Morgan to the blue Jays for Dale Murray and Tom Dodd. Hmm. Oops. <laughs> uh, and of course we've talked about Fred McGriff and Tom Amansky's baseball fundamentals and how he just did it as a favor and had no idea that his face was going to be <laughs> he just thought he was going to be a, a quick hey do this but uh, Tom Amansky certainly used the video to promote his VHS tapes for over a decade all right oh yeah so I'm at 10.9 I, I I'm running out of cards here to equal your 25.3 next uh, didn't we, <laughs> Yamil Benitez, didn't we, <laughs> didn't you have him? I uh, did, I think, yours, yeah. Yours was a press, uh, son, yeah, your, <laughs> yours was a press proof. Mine is the exact same card, only it doesn't say press proof. <laughs> so uh, I don't remember what you got point-wise for that. Let's see, Yamil Benitez in uh, 97, a war of 0.4, and that is it, so... We won't rehash all of his uh, other superlatives. In uh, 97, was he playing for the Arizona? Royals. Oh, he was, because he was taken in the expansion draft that year. Yeah, he played He played 91 games for the D-backs in 98. Okay. 
Gotcha. Okay, next we have got uh, somebody that if you uh, rang a bell would start drooling. It's Roger Pavlik. <laughs> You're so close, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Pavlik's dogs, yes. yes. <laughs> Pitcher for the Rangers. I remember, I'm sure you probably do too, being a AL West guy, seeing this guy quite a bit with the Rangers. Spent his entire seven-year career with Texas. 97 went three and five with a 4.37 ERA in 11 games, all of which were starts. ERA plus of 110, not too bad. That is a war of 1.0. Uh, he's got those darn two and ones, but he's got a mustache, so that'll just oh, get cancel me, each other out. Yep, get me one whole war, bring me up to 12.3, and I am quickly, quickly running out of cards. Next, we've got another Valentin. Uh, this is John Valentin. Of the uh, Boston Red Sox. I remember him. Yeah. No relation. No relation to you or to the other Valentine? Uh, to the other Valentine. <laughs> or me. Oh, he is both. related to you. Oh, yeah, both. Okay. Valentine. Valentin. The other was Valentine. So spelled the same, but pronounced differently. Gotcha. Let's see. 1997. Pretty good year for our boy, John. 143 games. He played 11 years in the big leagues, 10 of which were with Boston. Wow. Uh, led the league with 47 doubles this year, slashed 306, 372, 499 for an OPS plus of 124. Ooh. That equals a 4.7 war. Wow. Nothing on this card, though, is going to get me anything else. But four point. Uh, just FYI here, John Valentin was the co-owner of the now-closed Julia's Restaurant in the Atlantic Highlands in New Jersey. Oh, man, that's a bummer. When that place went out of business... I, yeah, I was had bad. no idea. Now, no. this is something, though, that we, we really should mention. Valentin, the only major league player to have pulled off an unassisted triple play, hit for the cycle, and hit three home runs in a game. Obviously, wow. not all in the same game, but in his career. <laughs> right, the, right. Those are, those are three things, two of which are very hard to do, the hit three home runs and the unassisted triple play. The, the cycle is more of just an oddity. I mean, it's hard to do, but... The other, I think the other two are more interesting. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm down to just uh, four cards left. This guy, wow, this guy was good for a, a, a bit of time behind the plate. Here he is with the Marlins. It's Charles Johnson. Oh, I remember Charles Johnson. He was, uh, was he a, a big draft pick by the Marlins? Let's see. Charles Johnson was a first round draft pick by the Expos. Expos. Yeah, but let's see. He came up in the big leagues with the Marlins. Uh, oh, let's see. He was drafted 10th overall in 89 by the Expos, but didn't sign. And then he was picked 28th overall in the first round by the Marlins in 92. I see. Okay. And did uh, did play. Uh, let's see. So he's the cousin of Fred McGriff. Oh. Wow. I've got, I've got relatives in my pack. That should be worth five war. No? <laughs> At least. Uh, 1997, he was an all-star, won the gold glove behind the plate, and received MVP votes. Uh, had an OPS plus of 111, or I'm sorry, 113, and a war of 4.4. I think he's got a mustache, but he's got his catcher's mask on here, so I can't see. So I'm just going to get the 4.4. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm creeping up. I'm at 21.4. I am four points behind you with oh, hey, three cards close. left. Yeah. 
Real quickly about Charles Johnson, he actually caught three no-hitters in his career. That's pretty impressive. I mean, if, yeah. he, if he was playing this year, he would have already caught six. <laughs> yes. It's the dead ball era part two. Yeah. Now, I remember he had a gun. I, he's, so he won four gold gloves. Yeah, he was actually, I just read this. In the course of his career, he finished second only to Ivan Rodriguez in throwing out base runners. That's not bad. No. Good hose behind the plate. All right. Now, this guy, uh, I'm not sure. He should probably help me out a little bit. Here he is with the Houston Astros. It is Derek Bell. Derek Bell played for a few different teams. I'm trying to recall when he played for the Astros. <laughs> well, it was at the end of his career. I think it was okay. in the 2000s. Uh, well, obviously in 97. <laughs> uh, he played for Houston for five years. He played with them longer than he did anybody else in his 11-year career. 97, uh, typical numbers for him. 15 home runs, 71 ribs, 107 OPS plus. That equates to a war of 2.8. He has got a mustache on for sure. So that'll be plus 2.9. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, I am, I am right up there. I am... Exactly one point behind you with two cards left. Uh-oh. Uh, now, I remember Derek Bell. on. I had a, a VHS videotape that is one of the things that we, we, we're going to do on YouTube one of these days. We're going to watch this. It called Now It Can Be Heard. And when he was a rookie with the Blue Jays, Joe Carter had uh, someone steal his new car, you know, his new Ford Explorer, which was top of the line at that point. And before the game started, they drove it out onto the outfield track and said they were going to raffle off this new car. And Derek Bell looked out there and see, because it's a custom, it's got custom rims, it's got a custom paint job, very obvious <laughs> whose car it was. And this look on his face of just astonishment that his car is in center field and over the PA system, they're telling, you know, the fans that a lucky fan is going to get to drive home in this brand new Ford Explorer. He actually got to pitch once and threw what we like to call an EFIS pitch. Clocked at 47 <laughs> was, miles was an hour. Was it on purpose, though? I don't know. But, yeah, 47 miles an hour. I can't even throw 47 miles an hour, not even with an EFIS. So. <laughs> All right. So I am one point down. I got two cards to go. This one might be – it might be over right here, my friend. Third baseman for the Detroit Tigers, Travis Fryman. Uh-oh. Yeah, Fryman had some good years. Yeah, Fryman w- was a was a – Good third baseman. He was. Uh, let's see. 1997, he was 28 years old. Typical Travis Ryman numbers. 22 RBIs. or uh, 22 home runs. 102 RBIs. Oh. OPS plus of 99. All of this equates to a war of 3.5 Ouch. plus real stirrups. So Uh-oh. right there, I have just blown past you. I up at 27.9 with one card left. Yeah, I, I think you're pretty much a lock here, unless it's the worst baseball player of all time having his worst season ever. All right, so my final card is an Oakland Athletic, which is cool. This, I remember, uh, I remember this guy had a couple of big hits. It might have been this year. I mean, I can tell you one thing. He's got a mustache. He's also got two and ones. I remember my outgoing message uh, of my answering machine. That tells you how <laughs> long ago this was. Uh, I, I identified myself as the president of the Hieronimo Baroa fan club. <laughs> <laughs> Hieronimo Baroa. He's there just to congratulate, congratulate you on your victory. 
Since you're his fan club. Let's see. Hieronimo Barrow nicknamed the Chief. 11 years in the big leagues. 97, he started with the A's and got traded over to Baltimore. Had a pretty good season, though. 26 home runs, 90 RBIs, 120 OPS+. plus. That equates to a 1.6 war. Nothing, you know, the card wipes out with the two-and-ones and the uh, the mustache. But that brings me to 29.5 and gives me another win. I am marching. That this is, is two comebacks in a row, man. This is like, I think we've got a, a cutout of the owner in the clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> and we're pulling pieces off every week because we are coming back. This is uh, this is a train you do not want to be in front of. Oh, I, I'm worried. Yeah. Believe me. Now, 19 to 14 is the score and we're playing to 20. So there you go. I'm, I'm coming back. But uh, that was fun. Some new cards uh, with some players we great. hadn't seen before. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up Wax Packs Heroes. That's also going to wrap up this episode. We'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to follow us, get a hold of us. You can do so on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on YouTube. Uh, if you want to watch us, we are starting to broadcast these as we record them live on Twitch. Uh, we had a couple of people join us off and on through uh, through this episode. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, they could not hear Mark. So uh, <laughs> it's all a ploy to get you to watch us on Twitch and then listen to the podcast. So you can hear what Mark actually says. But uh, all of these will be uh, in the show notes. Uh, Mark is going to tell you how you can email us as well. You can send us an electronic mail at two strike noise, spell it out, T-W-O, strike noise, at hotmail, I'm sorry, at gmail.com. We don't have the hotmail one. Uh, okay, so uh, we, uh, this was a fun show. I hope uh, everybody else enjoyed it. We hope you will uh, see you again next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great day.